You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. This is Pastor Vlad. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, subscribing to our podcast, leaving the review on iTunes, and sharing it with your friends on social media. I am so excited for what's coming up in next few months when we are going to be having a Holy Spirit conference with Andres Bassoni. I would like to invite you to come and join us for that conference. Also, as you probably have heard, I'm releasing a book very soon called Break Free. Cannot wait for this book to bless your life. And right now, let's go into the message. I want to tell you something right now is that today we're starting a series called There Is More. I want to tell you that God has more for the church and has more specifically for our local church in Tri-Cities. If you agree, say Amen. God has more than what we see today and the picture behind me you see a moped and a Mercedes both are modes of transportation one can go as fast as four miles per hour and the other one can go as fast as 160 miles per hour the maker of the Mercedes has put inside of this vehicle to be able to go that fast and the maker of Yamaha put that into the moped to go as fast as they've designed it for that. Now when they're both in the garage they don't go fast at all. They don't go anywhere at all. You have to understand that God in heaven has deposited inside of the church the gifts, the promises, the anointing, healings of incurable diseases, casting out of demons, breaking of generational curses, impact cities, impact regions and the church can be parked in the garage of theological correctness, fight for the political correctness or the church can launch into its fullest destiny by pressing pedal to the metal and putting the devil to run in Jesus mighty name. Can somebody say amen? So to refresh our mind right now before we go into the word of God I want to show you um, just one testimony, first one testimony of the healing that happened in Africa and this I think is a testimony from Rehard Bonke's testimony so if you can fix your eyes on the screen and let's watch the testimony of a blind lady who received her sight. One day the teacher noticed that my daughter was rubbing her eyes all the time and after not very long she was not writing anything in school because she could not see. Regina Adam knows what it's like to have a child go blind and then another of her children loses their sight. And then finally, to have a third child inexplicably plunged into darkness. The same thing happened with all three of my children. They slowly lost their eyesight. I would have to bring them their food and what they wanted to drink. I could not allow them to leave our yard. They had to stay near the house to play. Regina heard the news that a Reinhard Bonnke campaign was coming to her town in Nigeria. She had been told that healings and miracles happened at these meetings. Regina and her three children were at the campaign the first night and were in the audience when the prayer for healing went out. Regina explains what happened the next morning. My oldest daughter went outside and came in the door without any help. Then, at the fire conference, I asked the other two if they could read the scriptures, and they could. Last night, something fantastic happened. One man brought her three children. All three children were totally blind. And all three children received their sight the same moment.
Blind eyes can see when Jesus touches them. Those of you who believe that miracles died with the apostles, you're too late. If you one of those people who believe that maybe God stopped speaking, the Bible says that men shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds, not proceeded, but proceeds, God still speaks. God is the same yesterday, today and forever. That's why we fast. That's why we pray. Not just to see miracles happen in Africa, even though we rejoice of that, but to see the same Bible that Rayhard Bonnke has, the same Bible that Smith Wigglesworth had, the same Bible that John G. Lake had, the same Bible that T.B. Joshua has, the same Bible that every other man of God has is you and I have. And the same Spirit that the same power that raised Christ from the dead will manifest in our midst. We proclaim in this place that we will see incurable diseases, that metal rods will turn into bones in people's bodies, the things that will defy science and for those of you who maybe say well Vlad this is all blah 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 blah. Your Bible says that the first people that bowed their knee to baby Jesus were scientists not preachers. I believe that science will bow at the name of Jesus Christ. I believe that even medical personnel who are even some in our church will simply will be amazed also at what God is able to do because we are that church. Can somebody say amen? amen. Somebody say there is more. There is more. I watched this testimony that honestly probably one of the most shocking testimonies it, the History Channel has done a documentation about it. It's one of the most mind-blowing testimonies that has happened, that has ever happened in America. Um, some of you have probably have seen it. I'm just going to give you a short snippet. There's a whole 30 minute of it. I'm just going to give you a short snippet of what happened to one guy who was trying to fix a semi-truck. particular day I was working underneath a large Peterbilt logging truck, as big as any semi-truck you ever find. The other mechanic I was working with who worked for this logging company had removed one of the front wheels. And he had jacked it up, but unfortunately, he had not used any safety equipment, no jack stands or blocking. I knew it, and that was my own fault. I still went underneath anyway. I was underneath the truck. I was laying underneath the front axle. That's the lowest part of the truck on, on these big trucks. 10 to 12,000 pounds of weight just on that front axle. And that jack that's over here as I'm laying underneath it, I said to him, go get, get inside the truck and shut the engine off. When he did, the truck shifted just enough. The jack slipped out and that axle, this 10 to 12,000 pounds of weight, came down like a blunt guillotine and crushed my body in half. On impact, blood came out as it fell through me. And I just called out and said, Lord Jesus, help. And they were asking me questions and talking just a little bit. I was mumbling and it was at that point my heart stopped. Now I remember, literally, I heard my heart stop. And it was because I bled out. When it happened, when my heart quit beating, my spirit left my body. I went up to the roof of the garage and then I watched from above the whole entire thing uh, playing out. And let me say this, when I was in the roof, I felt amazing. There was absolutely no fear, no pain. I felt the, the, the most incredible peace I've ever experienced in my entire life. I just watched from above and on each side of my body were two humongous angels about eight feet tall. So then she begins to pat me in the face and say, Bruce, open your eyes, come on, open your eyes. And she gets louder and louder. I watched as everybody in the place turned and looked at her and gave her the crazy lady look. Like, what are you doing, right? There's no CPR, there's no defibrillator. She just slapped me in the face saying, open your eyes. And as she did, my spirit came back out of the ceiling into my body. And the first thing that happened when I came back in, my heart started. But this incredible 
pain came, like I felt like a truck had fallen on me, right? And I'm crushing half, and I was like, no, I don't, I don't want this. As soon as I made that decision, my heart stopped again. My spirit left my body, a tunnel opened up going out of the roof of that garage, up about a 45 degree angle, and I could tell there was a bright light on the end of it. And I just got in the tunnel, and I started going towards the light, and I knew that it was heaven on the end of the tunnel. It felt amazing. As I'm going, I could hear her calling my name, come back, come back, stopped in the tunnel, got sucked backwards, <laughs> back to the roof of the garage. You know, we don't know. This is a, a, a few month old believer. We yeah. don't know the power that we, God has Amen. entrusted to us. His body was complete. All of his intestines were crushed. This guy had no chance to live. And God gave him a chance. He says, if you want to go back and live, you're going to have to fight. And so he decided to, because of his family, come back. They put him in a hospital. And so they, there was not, not enough surgeries, there's not enough experience that the medical personnel had to be able to repair everything. What happened one time is the angel of God told another pastor to come into that room. And as he came into the room, they prayed for him and God supernaturally recreated his stomach. There's a study that's been done on him. There's been a his history, did a whole history channel, did a whole episode because it's verified by medical personnel how supernaturally he felt actually fire going through his intestines and all of his stomach is recreated supernaturally. Nothing is impossible to God. Can somebody say amen? We are a church. We want to inject the atmosphere in this room. You are coming into this room. Anything is possible. Anything is possible today. Even if you are maybe coming in right now, you're having your own struggles or whatever you're coming with, the, the troubles, the things that are on your mind. Maybe you can't focus. I want to tell you something. You came to the, one of the most exciting places in Tri-Cities today because this is where God lives. Where two or three are gathered in my name, says God, I am there among them. And when He is there, He can just sometimes without your permission, sometimes even without you realizing, He can touch you, bless you, drop something your way and in your situation and in your life. Can somebody say amen? If you believe in this, give God the biggest shout of praise you can. Hallelujah. You know, when Israel came out of Egypt, they had desperation that made them cry out in Egypt for their deliverance. See when you are in slavery and you don't get paid for doing the slavery and every day you get beaten mercilessly and you see injustice and you see that bondage, after a while you begin to rebel, you begin to cry out. It wasn't necessarily because God promised them better life why they cried out. They cried out because their situation forced them to cry out and God heard their cry. See, when you find yourself in the most difficult situation in life, I want to tell you something. Sometimes the devil doesn't realize, but he can actually, God can actually use the devil. If that situation that you are in, if it's impossible, but it makes you get on your knees and it makes you see God like never before. And it makes you turn off the TV, put the plate aside and say, God, I'm going to humble myself before you. Whatever the situation is, if, if it made you get alone with God, I want to tell you something, devil already lost. Amen. If the devil cannot use that situation to make you go to the club, or pick up some crack or weed or drugs or some vodka, tequila or whatever it is. If he cannot get you into that place but can get you on getting on your knees. I'm going to tell you something. You're already winning. Yeah. 
and God is going to hear your prayer and God's going to give you breakthrough and God will pull you out maybe not right away but he will pull you out and years down the road you will see and look back and say you know what yes I'm not what I'm supposed to be but I've been humble I cried out to God and God heard my cry yes my marriage didn't make it here yes my kids maybe didn't make it here my business didn't make it here but I made it here and to God be all the glory hallelujah but when you go from the bondage and slavery you arrive at the season of your life called wilderness or as you can see behind us there's these three stages from slavery to survival survival the problem with survival is survival typically makes us passive survival makes us lethargic complacent survival helps us to plateau because in survival is when you are on God's welfare program you have just enough survival is you're doing better than the, those around you survival is you're doing better than you used to survival is that sickness is no longer terminal survival is you have the medicine survival is you can pay the bills survival is you're not addicted no more survival is you're no longer spending your weekends in the places you used to be that's that's survival and the problem with survival is the survival many times confuses people who knew what it's like to be desperate who no longer have the desperation because they don't have the reason to be so desperate as they used to be because their life is not as bad and survival usually can throw you into the plateau and that's what happened to Israel because they learn how to survive they also became very complacent they no longer had Pharaoh breathing down their neck they did not need to cry out like they did in Egypt they did not need to fast like they did in Egypt their kids are not being eaten by crocodiles they're not working without pay they're not even working at all and they're getting fed life is okay and God comes in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and I want you to see this verse what the Lord says to them he says the Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb saying you have dwelled long enough at this mountain so I have set a land before you go in and possess the land which the Lord have sworn to your fathers turn to your neighbor and say you have dwelled at this mountain too long God comes to Israel and he says you've been on this mountain too long I didn't get you out of Egypt so you can sing kumbaya my lord around this mountain I didn't get you out of this Egypt so that you can only enjoy my presence see the lightning and so you can only see the ark of the covenant I got you out of Egypt and not only because your life was tough I swore to your father Abraham to your father Isaac to your father Jacob a beautiful land and he says you have plateaued here because you don't have a desire to go further before you had desperation to get out now you're doing okay your desperation is gone and I am here to remind you that I gave you a promise so that this promise will inject inside of you a fresh desire this desire will not be like desperation because it will come from my word and God's word doesn't make people desperate but it does not make people passive 
God's Word gives you this flame inside that says yes I'm not being beaten. Yes I am not standing by Walmart with a sign. Yes I don't have six months to live. Yes I don't spend my weekends at the club. None of that stuff is happening. I've been free from that but I also have promises from God where He will make me the head and not the tail. I also have the promises from God that me and my family will serve God. I also have the promises of God that I will soar with wings not live with chickens. I will be like an eagle. I have promises and therefore now while my life is okay I'm leaving this behind and I'm pressing on further. Church the Old Testament Christians mainly fasted because they had problems. Most of the fastings in the Old Testament happened because people were facing crisis. In the New Testament, almost all the fasting in the New Testament happened because people were facing their calling. Jesus did not have a problem in his family that pushed him to 40-day fast. Cornelius did not fast because there was a crisis in his house. People in the New Testament fasted because they had a calling to fulfill, not because they had a crisis to solve. In the Old Testament, most of the time Israel repented because they had problems. My Bible makes me to understand that in the New Testament, it is the goodness of God that will lead men to repentance. Don't wait for your life to fall apart to you, for you to realize you got to move out of this season. Don't let the devil corner you in the corner, squeeze everything out of you that then you begin to tap out and say, well, you know what? I guess I got to fast with the church now. I guess I gotta pray. Why? Because I got this problem. Some of you that is the only time you pray. The only time to, to, you, you fast and honestly you need to just grow up. You need to mature. You're telling God if, if the only time I see you at morning prayer is because you can't pay your bills. If the only time I'm, we're seeing you fasting is because somebody in your family has a sickness. You're telling God if you want to keep me close keep sending problems. I believe it's time to grow up and simply say, God, keep away the problems. I'll be staying close. God, I'm going to be fasting. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be burning. Not just because things are doing bad, but because you have a potential and I have to reach that potential. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? See, desperation gets you out of Egypt, but it's the desire that will get you out of survival. I used to feel guilty for not being desperate at certain places or certain seasons in my life and then I realized that what pushed my desperation was usually not the Word of God. What pushed my desperation is the embarrassment in front of people. Is the fact that compared to others I didn't measure up and I was embarrassed, I was ashamed and so I was fueled to fast and seek God more but it wasn't really because of God's promise. It was because I was sick and tired. And when that was cured, my sick and tired feeling was gone. And now I look good in front of other people. Now my life is okay in front of other people. But the fact that God's word says there is more, it didn't bother me. And so what God started to use this verse as saying, listen, it's not just about how you look in front of other people. How you look in front of me. You got a 160, you got a, got a Mercedes living inside of you 
Okay, better than Mercedes. The Holy Spirit is like a jet. And so you, you got this, you got this potential living inside of you and you're satisfied with the fact that you are just not doing this and this and this and that. I want to push your potential further. Church, God has done great things in our church already. What we've seen happen in the last few years has been incredible. To see different races, to see different ages coming to our church. Those of you who are sitting here today, it's a miracle that you are here. To see what God has already done in our church. A lot of churches look at us even and say, man, this is revival. This is great. Our church in this city and all around the world, people hear about our ministry. I just met a young man today who, who drove from another state and, and who says, you know, been watching the ministry. We get messages every single week of people who get touched, healed and delivered from our ministry. But see, we are, we are in the wilderness season right now. This is not what God promised to us. We got out of our shame, complacency and difficult season because we cried out. But I want to tell you something right now. We owe to God to live with passion in every fiber of our being. We owe to every drug addict who's going to be a home group leader to not stop. We owe to every cancer patient who is laying on a death row not to give in now just because cancer didn't hit my family this year it does not mean that the potential of healing of cancer i have to cry out for incurable diseases not when my mama gets sick but because the promise has already been given because the promise has already been given and that's why we fast every single month because we're driven now not by the problems we're facing but by the promise we've received come on somebody are you with me we're coming to a time right now i want to i want to tell you when you receive the potential it fuels your prayer life like nothing else one of the reasons many people don't pray today is because they're not aware of what's possible and of what's available when you live with the awareness of where you are and where you're supposed to be, it makes you uncomfortable and gives you holy discontent and it breeds a flaming desire for more. I'm not talking about egoistic more. I'm not talking about ego driven more. I'm not talking about selfish driven more. I'm talking about when the holy word of God begins to create a gap between the present and the potential and you begin to feel that and the only way to overcome this gap is to realize is the same way you overcame the gap between your present and your past. It's crying out to God. Prayer is the key. We are a praying church. We are a church that prays. We are a church that fasts and we are the church that seeks God. Sooner or later, if you don't like prayer, prayer is contagious. It will jump on you. You will catch this flu that we are all diseased with in here. We are a praying church. Even me as, a, as your preacher in here, I can tell you one thing that I'm like Daniel. I break the rules to pray. Daniel, you know, he wouldn't live without prayer. Even if it was against the law, he still prayed. And Daniel was not just a preacher. He was a very, very successful person in politics. I remember when I was a lot younger and we rented this place on Thursday nights called Desert Streams Church. The church doesn't exist no more. It was over there in Richland. We rented that church, but we were not old enough to get our own keys to this church. So only our pastor had the keys and me and Ilya, you know, 
we were not told that we need to pray on Friday night. We only heard that Young Gicho has the largest church in the world and they have a Friday night prayer. And we said if we want to have large church we gotta pray. We heard in Kiev there's this guy who was black in Ukraine and in Ukraine there's not a lot of other callers, just Ukrainians and he built one of the largest churches in the whole Europe at the time. He barely spoke Ukrainian and so he did that and he prayed Friday night. So we're like we need to be praying as well. So but we didn't have the keys, we needed a place to pray and I remember we would go there on Thursday, find a room, sneak into somebody's room, leave the window open so that we can sneak in there on Friday at 11 o'clock because the pastor lived right across the street from the building. So we had to sneak in when he goes to sleep. We would pull to that church, turn off Ilya, would turn off the lights and he would turn off the ignition so the car will only go on the neutral. Pull in, park right behind the garbage, shut down the car, go through the worship leader's office window, sneak in through that, lock the doors and go in and from 11 o'clock till 2 o'clock, sometimes 1 o'clock, 2-3 hours, go in all Pentecostal. God send revival. God, we don't speak English but you can send revival. God we don't know what we're doing in Trace Cities but send revival. Nobody knows us God but we want to know you send revival. I remember one particular time the pastor because the prayer got a little bit loud uh, the pastor heard and he woke up and he came with the flashlight looking for the intruders in the church and so we were smart the spirit of sneakiness is part of our portion. <laughs> We would go in and lay right under the chairs, right under the chair. So pastor walks by and I'm laying under one pew, Ilya's laying under the other pew and he wouldn't catch us because God would hide us in his presence. Jesus. When we got this building, you know, I know this pastor and I'm not gonna talk trash or anything, but that pastor and that church shut down. That church doesn't exist no more. I believe prayerless churches are powerless churches and powerless churches don't exist very long because as a church we're not fighting against politics, we're not fighting against natural world, we're fighting against spiritual world and when we're not a praying church we're not gonna last period. When we got our own building here and it's a miracle how God gave us this building for the building that we still don't pay. Government school that rents the facility would pay for this building up to this month. And when we got into this building, you know, we got a little bit more comfortable as a church, a little bit complacent. We had two churches that would rent this facility at one time. One church that was renting it, they were very passionate for God. They rented from us. It was our building, but they, with their prayer and their passion, they went way further than us. One time, I remember couldn't sleep at night, so I decided to come to work at the church a lot earlier than usual. It was before we had our morning prayers. And as I came in I realized that the church is open and I heard these Hispanic older ladies crying in the sanctuary. So I sneaked in. I was just wanted to ensure that nobody's beating people up in here at 5.30 in the morning. As I come in and I see you know with the head coverings they had a little bit more apostolic upbringing and they had a little stereo right here because we didn't allow them to use our sound booth and so they had a little stereo in here, a little CD playing, walking, wailing and crying and, and I stood there and I was like man why would I want to be here at 5.30 in the morning? And as I went upstairs I felt this conviction from the Holy Spirit. I felt that now someone is intruding in our building by prayer as I was in someone else's before. 
I felt a strong conviction. I'm not saying God slapped me, but it felt like that. He says, if you don't change very soon, your church will be the same as the other one. It's just not going to last. Your ingenuity, your ingenuity, your smartness, your cleverness, your preaching, your English, the, the walls and the lights and the sound, that is not going to really what's going to make the church great. My presence is going to make it great. And these guys, they rent your facility as you rented someone else's, but they're out, they're going to pray you out of this. And we slowly started to bring prayer back into the church. First started with Wednesday from 6.30 to 7.30 before school and then after race to deliver three years ago we started to do it at five o'clock Monday to Friday and today I'm proud to say that our church is a praying church. I am a praying pastor. You are a praying people. I cannot imagine life without prayer. I know I'm not trying to glorify prayer because prayer is just a venue to God but I, I want to communicate this to you and I pray the Holy Spirit will impart something today that we become if anything you do that you pray our staff you know we have a requirement that it's it's a non-negotiable it's a command it's a rule it's a law of Moses but we pray minimum of one hour a day why because what we are trying to achieve we're not praying so we can say hey we're prayer warriors we pray two hours a day we're praying because we feel the gap between what's happening now and what God has promised we feel the gap and I really believe if you're not praying either you forgot about your potential or you still think that what God has promised you you can achieve on your own but we believe that it's going to take God's presence to achieve God's promises that He has given to us. Can somebody say Amen? I want to call you back to prayer. For those of you who've been sleeping saints, I'm going to ask you right now to wake up in Jesus' name. Because while Peter and Johnny were sleeping over there, Judas was working to kill, to get Jesus out from them. When you're sleeping, when you're supposed to be praying, the devil is working. But when you go to work in prayer, you put the devil to sleep because you bore devil to death. And you, you, you establish the kingdom of God. For those of you maybe, for those of you who may be saying, Larry, you don't understand, I'm so busy. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. Too busy stop something cut something off because nothing will make prayer is not taking time prayer saves you time you will do a lot less other stupid stuff a lot of other non-essentials non, non that you will do if you spend your time with God in Jesus name Martin Luther said today I have so much to do I gotta spend instead of two hours but three hours in prayer never push God out of your time never push God out of church when, when you can't make it to morning prayer we got evening prayer in the afternoons our, our church gathers together for intercession the reason why you see different cultures in this church is not because I'm smart it's not because I'm clever it's not because I know Spanish it's not because I was born in this country because I know one thing that can touch people's lives. It's not my ingenuity and my cleverness. It is the Holy Spirit. And when we humble ourselves before Him, He can use a guy like me. Not the best looking with a thick accent, mispronounces words, screams like crazy. Yet people will come. Because the Holy Spirit is going to be in charge. Can somebody say amen? Well, this is completely off the topic. I don't know how that, how I got into this. But, but, um, <laughs> well, you get the point. Amen. My goal is, my success of my sermon is going to be determined by how many people show up to prayer tomorrow. So I'm trying to work for that, okay? 
<laughs> I'm not building so that everybody gets up over here and goes hallelujah Jesus. If tomorrow o'clock at, at six o'clock nobody shows up, sermons was this, sermon was this. Okay so my goal is to stir you up and help you to rise up and become an intercessor and prayer warrior in Jesus name. Come on somebody. Let's bring, let's bring this message closer to its purpose and destination. One of the reasons I believe that people don't pray is they don't know how to pray. Sometimes people don't pray is because they don't experience anything beautiful and nice in prayer that doesn't draw them back to prayer. I want to give you just the practical steps. I call them my, um, my five P's of prayer. The five P's of prayer. Sometimes people ask me, you know, how can you pray two hours straight? Or how can you even last one hour? They're like, I'm praying for five minutes and I'm falling asleep and seeing dreams and visions of hot dogs and hamburgers. And how could you last? I mean, why do you guys walk back and forth? You know why we walk in prayer? So we don't fall asleep. <laughs> Plus the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. So what did he do? Walked. So we're trying to do exactly what Enoch did. And I think he went so far with God that God looked at Enoch. He's like, you know what? We're closer to your house than mine. Let's go to mine. They went to God's house and never returned back to Enoch's. God wants you to walk with him. God wants you to live with him. But let's just look at the process of prayer. Now remember, this is not, prayer is not mechanical. It's a relationship. It's an intimacy with God. I don't want to turn prayer into some kind of a points that you go through but it does help us to see a rhythm through which we can go in prayer so that our prayer is focused and so that our prayer is beneficial to us. Prayer is not a chore list where you come give God what you don't like about your life and give him a timeline to fix it. Prayer is a relationship and this relationship is supposed to give you something back that brings you back to that prayer. I've never done drugs but I've been hooked on prayer and it keeps bringing me back. I'm a backslider. When I stop praying, I slide back to prayer. That's the only place I slide back to and that is prayer because when you taste the goodness of God in prayer, it keeps drawing you back. I don't have to be told by my pastor to pray. I don't have a job description to pray. See there was a time I knew I was nothing and I was nobody and I've tasted God and I found him to be faithful. I found him to be good. I found him that he can raise people from nobody and make him somebody. He can take a zero, turn him into a hero. He can take a dead Lazarus and make him a life man and when I tasted that listen I have not found anything else close I heard your testimony I saw how heroin destroys people's lives so I don't have to taste something you've tasted but I can tell you when you taste what I've tasted your life will never ever be the same hallelujah hallelujah amen amen we like to start our prayer always with praise somebody say praise praise it draws the presence of God praise what praise is we start praise with thanking God we say Lord we thank you how I like to do it is this as I come to to prayer and I say Lord I thank you that I came here on both of my legs I thank you that I have a car that has four wheels that brought me here Lord I thank you Moses didn't have that even Jesus didn't have that but I have the car thank you Lord I thank you that I have a home that I live in I thank you for generational blessings of my mom and dad Lord I thank you that my blood is clean my bones are straight I thank you that I have a clear mind Lord I thank you that both of my hands lift and I thank you that you protected me from diabetes Alzheimer's you protected me from HIV STD you protected me from high blood pressure I thank you God for your mercy and grace after that I go in and saying Lord I thank you for your promises I thank you for your word. 
I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for my righteousness as it came as a gift. Lord, I thank you that you have given me the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that my name might not be in the White House. I don't care about that, but my name is known by the White Throne in the Book of Life. Thank you for that, God. Come on, somebody. Anybody thankful to God for that? After that, I take a moment and I begin to say, Lord, I thank you also, not only for what you've done, not only for all of that, but God, I thank you and I worship for who you are. You, you gotta take time and you gotta milk this time because the more you praise God something happens the more your faith grows when you start prayer with saying how bad things were listen it messes you up but when you go from what God has done and forget about what he hasn't done just thank him what he has done even if it's little because that will multiply and then you shift begin to worship who he is say God you are faithful God you're a rock of ages you're the alpha the omega God you're the beginning and the end God you are everything in between you're the rose of Sharon you're the rock of of ages you're the lily in the valleys God you are my pillow when I am tired when I am exhausted you are my staff of life and you begin to just exalt who he is sometimes that could last five minutes it could last five seconds I hope it lasts more than five seconds it could last an hour and what happens is the presence of God begins to come let's just do that right now let's just rise to our feet and just begin to just say Lord I thank you I worship you lift your, lift those hands right now Lord I thank you. Invite his presence by worshiping you right now. Lord we worship you right now. For everything. For who you are. Even let my enemies triumph over me. You see me through the thick and thin in life. When I walked in the dark alone you were there with me God. When sickness was supposed to kill me, God, you said, let it happen. Come on, somebody, give God thanks right now. Lift your voice. Open up your mouth. When you worship God, His presence begins to come in. His presence begins to come in. Take a second, take a seat for just a second. After you praise God, I'm just going to show you how to pray for those of you who may be coming to the church for the first time. For those of you who are prayer warriors and intercessors, um, just keep doing what you're doing. The second thing after you praise God, when you kind of went through that time of praising, the time of worship, uh, take time to repent. Penance penance take time to repent of your sins and if you don't know your sins ask your wife <laughs> ask your parents say mom last few weeks I felt like I'm perfect any sense that you might see in my life because I am so perfect and your mom will give you a list that will take you three hours to read <laughs> and stuff so if you are not sure of what your sins are don't go looking for them but just ask the Holy Spirit say Holy Spirit in the last 24 hours in the last 42 hours in the last 72 hours what have I done that offended you what have I done that didn't reflect your goodness was my motives good how did I speak to that person that I did not need that person that I show off that I what did I post on social media retweet it on Twitter or, or what did I do whose whose profiles do I follow on Instagram that honestly if my wife would see it I would be in trouble 
Lord what did I see that honestly that I was hiding and clearing my brows history is my motives right Lord cleanse my heart when you take a moment because prayer is supposed to be a place where you walk out a better husband a better wife a better child a better child to your parents a better man a better employer a better employee if after prayer you walk out cranky mad moody and all of that stuff listen you need to go back there because penance what it does is it crushes you it reminds you brings you back to say Lord I need you and Lord I still have so much to grow there were times after prayer I ran to Albertsons and bought roses because in prayer I got reminded that I haven't bought roses in two months and I lectured other guys make sure they get roses for their wives and myself for God sometimes after prayer I know I would send a text message to a person to one person or another person saying you know what I'm so sorry I was so rude to you yesterday I am so sorry forgive me I will never do that again prayer has to shift something inside of you and it happens when you repent if you learn to repent for your sins you will have no blaming of other people for their sins and always in every situation that you blame others find your piece of pie for you to repent of if your wife's fault is 99.9% make sure you repent for your 0.01% and when you repent for that percent you realize it's not that small it's actually a little bit bigger and your wife's is a lot smaller your marriage will be healed your relationships will be healed why because you will find repentance people don't fall out of love they only fall out of repentance when you stop repenting you stop changing when you stop changing you're stuck you're done you're finished you're useless to your work you're useless to your family you're useless to everybody because you're a stubborn mule but when you're flexible when you're moldable when you're repentant you're easy to live with you're easy to work with you're easy to submit to you're easy to lead you're easy to send on the assignments you're easy to bless and you're easy to correct can somebody say amen, amen. after repentance we go to in my prayer I go to part three and this is called partnership with the Holy Spirit partnership with the Holy Spirit what partnership with Holy Spirit is is in prayer I take time my pastor does that our team does that is in prayer we separate time in prayer to talk to the Holy Spirit now sometimes when I speak I know that proper English says the Holy Spirit and in my book I on purpose removed the before Holy Spirit and so I know it's not a proper English but it's a proper theology because Holy Spirit is a person and because he's a person I relate to him as a person and I relate to him as God this is a controversial topic in some circles and sometimes I get accusation against that saying you can't talk to the Holy Spirit I constantly get that and sometimes people out of curiosity and others out of just their traditional thinking that Holy Spirit is someone who leads you, fills you, empowers you, glorifies Jesus but you dare not talk to him, you dare not, he doesn't talk to you, you don't talk to him, he is a silent kind of a being but Holy Spirit is a person. I have never met a person who doesn't want to talk. Never met a person who defines communication without talking and my Bible makes me to understand that God the Father has grace has, has love Jesus has grace and Holy Spirit has fellowship have you ever seen fellowship where only one person is talking now I understand that probably it's how your marriage looks like right now <laughs> you go on a date and you had fellowship which simply means your wife talked and you ate 
and you only nodded your head mm -hmm, yes honey mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that is not fellowship okay that is that is not fellowship real fellowship is when you talk she talks he talks she talks both people are talking it's a two-way street is the real fellowship fellowship of the Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit is talking you're listening you're talking Holy Spirit is listening there is a communion there is a fellowship people say do you pray to the Holy Spirit now answer is very simple is Holy Spirit God do you pray to God but we are not instructed to pray to the Holy Spirit we are instructed to walk in the Holy Spirit be filled with Holy Spirit not to grieve the Holy Spirit not to quench the Holy Spirit and to be with him meaning God says the Father because Jesus teaches us we pray to the Father in Jesus name by the help of the Holy Spirit meaning the Holy Spirit is given to us as a partner as a friend as another like like Jesus he's walking beside us and God wants us spend time in prayer where we fellowship with Holy Spirit when you fellowship with Holy Spirit you acknowledge his presence you become aware of him you become aware of his presence and then this fellowship continues throughout the day sometimes in the minor things like yesterday my, my neighbor started the 4th of July a little bit earlier somebody didn't tell them that it was first of first July yesterday or today and they started that early and I was so I was trying to fall asleep and my dog uh, my wife's dog sleeps uh, with us in the room and, and he's not used to fourth of July he's only one year old and so when he hears bang bang he goes in like into this and starts barking and so and this happened about three times and I'm like if they are going to continue partying and he's going to continue barking I'm not getting my sleep and so I told my wife I'm like, hey babe could you call police she's like no I'm not calling police so I closed my eyes and I said holy spirit I'm calling you <laughs> serious not making this up and I said lord either shut them up shut my dog up <laughs> or somebody but I'm like I just need to get my sleep and honestly that's the last thing I remember and I woke up in the morning my father-in-law said that they continued to party I don't know what who did what I just know one thing that I slept and I went recording yesterday in the studio recording an audio book of that same thing before recording I take five six seconds I close my eyes and I say Holy Spirit you know how difficult it is for me to read my own writing <laughs> it's very difficult if you could just 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 kind of help me out just a little bit um, it will go a long way close my eyes and right away something happens you feel support because when you acknowledge his presence you become aware of his presence when you become aware of his presence his help begins to come in take time during prayer where his presence is acknowledged your prayer will never be boring because you will feel him you will know him and he will be there. Let's do that right now. I want to show you how to do that. Just close your eyes. Say this with me. Say, Oh Holy Spirit, give me more of you. Say, the Oh Holy Spirit, take more of me. And just welcome him. Say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Relax. You don't have to work anything up. And say, Holy Spirit, I love you. Holy Spirit, walk with me through life. Help me in the smallest things and the biggest things. You're with me until I go to heaven. You're not gonna leave me. You're not gonna abandon me. I invite you right now. I welcome you right now, Holy Spirit, in this place, in this room, in Jesus' name. Egyptian. 
Egyptian Empire when they brought the justice to Israel. You split the Red Sea. You healed the blind Bartimaeus. You delivered a man of 6,000 demons. You stopped the storms. You convicted a godless city of Nineveh. Holy Spirit, you're here right now. Lift those hands right now. Welcome Him right now. Just tell Him that right now. Those of you watching us on live stream right there, just invite the Holy Spirit in your room. His presence will become real. When His presence becomes real, intimacy comes. God is just taking the craving. You prayed against smoking, but God is just taking the craving right now and giving you a new desire, a new desire. Holy Spirit is a person. Prayer is a time where you connect with Him. My favorite time is, I always have songs like these from our own services, and I play them on repeat until I feel that connection. Until sometimes tears roll down your eyes or my heart inside is melting like wax. Because if I go through the dry routine of prayer, if you go through the dry routine of prayer, you'll never come back to prayer unless somebody reminds you or a problem pushes you there. But when you touch His presence, it becomes like a magnet. It draws you in. You become a backslider. You constantly continue to slide back into that. Can somebody say amen? I'm going to have a few more minutes. If you can take, take your seat. If we can bring the kayak. I want to share with you the next step which is I believe the most important step when it comes to prayer. When you begin to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in your prayer time, there's one more step, there's two more steps, but this step that we're going to have right now is called pedaling in prayer or pedaling prophetic words. Somebody say pedaling prophetic words. 
how many of you here received prophetic words concerning your life before okay how many of you here you've never had a somebody like a prophet speak to you okay all right and how many of you, you don't speak English <laughs> you don't understand what I said because I saw someone you speak English but you're like mm -mm, not gonna raise my hand for anything um, okay it's fine no, 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 no. All right. And so I heard that Jacob did not like be, being Holy Spirit last time. You do look more like the other spirits today, being darker. So, but, but, but uh, Jacob, I'm sorry, but you're going to be uh, the Holy Spirit with me. All right, all right. Let's, let's bring the, uh, something to pedal with. Aggressive spirit. <laughs> so, um, what happens is peddling prophetic words what I mean by that is this is when you fellowship with Holy Spirit when you spend time fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit what happens is God wants us to take a moment in our prayer and not just to pray for masses not just to pray for other people but to begin to pray prophetic words spoken over our life by God by prophets or maybe in the dream or in a vision or an insight that you received from God and to pray those words out what these words will do is they build your faith see when you step into the prophetic word this is like stepping into a kayak instead of swimming through the Columbia River with your bare hands and with your swimming abilities when you step into a kayak actually you're dry and everything around you is wet God gives you prophetic words not only to make them come true but to give you a dry place to stand in the process of the prophetic word coming true. In the process of getting doctor's reports that say things are getting worse but the prophetic word says you will live and not die. So you step in the prophetic word around you everything is wet everything is unstable but you are standing on something solid and what is that? It's God's word spoken either through a prophet or made alive in the scripture or given to you in the dream given to you in the vision or in prayer and it became real like the Bible says faith is the substance of things means it's substance it's real inside of you you know that you know that you know Job said I know my Redeemer lives. I don't know why this is happening. Everything around me is wet but I know I stand on that knowledge. Problem happens in prayer is many people pray out of desperation, out of their problems and out of their sickness, out of their defeat, out of the demonic attacks. God gave them a word but they said things like well I don't like this prophet. I really don't like the color of this canoe. Don't like it. If God would send me a blue one, I might consider getting into it. If the prophet that came in wouldn't be from Africa, I would listen to him. If that prophet would be um, just a little bit different clothing and had a little bit, just, just, just a different word, I would accept it. The, the word that God gave me, honestly, I didn't feel like angels were singing at the time that I got that word. And so I'm not going to receive this. So what you're doing is you're swimming through the problems of life when God wanted you in prayer to go into the prophetic word, go into his promise and pray out of that promise. Paddling prophetic words I do this almost daily I'm not sharing something that I don't do I'm not selling it what I'm not using 
I'm selling to you what I'm using and what works for me. What this does to me is it makes me step out of the problems our church currently has. No, our church doesn't have problems, I'm sorry. But <laughs> the problems that people in our church currently have. It makes me step out of the sometimes one service or another service or things that are not going so well. And my mind goes out of that and goes into what God has promised for our church. Not what I see with my eyes right now, but what God has promised to our church and pray out of that. When you take a few minutes and you pray out of there, your spirit comes up and you actually get pulled out of your situation and you stand on something solid instead of sinking sand see when I was young our we used to take trips to Seattle to to learn how to preach so we preached on Sunday morning in here and then we went uh, to preach outside of our church on Sunday night we were like 14 15 years of age our pastor would arrange trips to go all around Washington and Oregon to preach in these churches I was very very young and short like now but younger and so this particular time we went to preach in Russian traditional churches they have five preachers in one service and so I was supposed to be the fourth and my pastor was supposed to be after me the fifth preacher is supposed to be like the last boom boom like you know like real fire and the ones before him was just preparing the ground and so uh, my sermon went a little bit too long so it turns out that my sermon became final and so there was a powerful prayer afterwards which was like you know like a big deal for a 14 year old teenager and after the prayer service ended this old lady she made her way to the front it was kind of a large church she made her way to the front she grabbed my hand pulled me aside from my cousins and, and she looked kind of mean Russian prophets like Pentecostal prophets usually mean and stuff so, and she looked she was kind of mean old lady and she looked at me and she said during the prayer she said I saw a vision and typically you know the places I grew up if if an older person says they had a vision it's about 90% something bad so I like I paralyzed then like this like Baltasar knees you know shaking and I'm like I just hope it was not some of my secret sin that she saw <laughs> and she said I saw a trumpet in your mouth and she says out of the trumpet came fire and she said and I said praise God and I brightened up a little bit and then she said not only that but she, and she looked at me she jerked me one more time by my hand and she said this she says don't be afraid I still see this lady's eyes right now as I'm speaking she says don't be afraid you will prophesy I'm like I prophesy is not my thing and so and she just walked off when I pray after I finish fellowshipping with Holy Spirit I pray this prophecy out I said Lord you did not say I'll have a microphone you said I'll have a trumpet God you didn't say a volume will come out of my mouth you said fire will come out of my mouth God I pray for that you said that God it's not something I said it's not something I wanted I want that but you said that and so when you begin to pray that when you begin to pray that guess what happens now that's what God that's what God gave me what if he gave you did he say that your children will serve God don't just pray to God you see my kid got in jail no 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 pull out your thing and begin to go like this and press say, God you said me and my family will serve God my kid is in jail he's working on his testimony God said that your business will sponsor charities all around the world and you don't have money to pay 
for the bills right now you don't go and say God you see how much money I don't have enough money no 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 don't pray out of the water pray out of the promise pedal prophetic words you come in and you say Lord you promised I am a millionaire I know I got holes in my shoes I got only letters of overdue payments but God I believe I'm the head and not the tail I'm gonna be at the top and not on the bottom I am going to soar with wings like eagles I believe you give power to get wealth I'm gonna paddle I'm gonna paddle oh Jesus I'm gonna paddle I'm gonna paddle I'm gonna I'm gonna paddle, I'm gonna paddle, I'm gonna paddle prophetic words, I'm gonna paddle prophetic words. Do you have it? You can keep standing. Do you have a prophetic word right now that God has given you? Let me ask you a question. Why when you go to prayer you only bring your problems not prophetic words? Leave your problems outside of your prayer. Bring a prophetic word. Maybe you say, but Vlad, I never got a prophetic word from someone. Did God give it directly to you? Abraham never had a prophet that gave him a word. God gave him directly. Never doubt the words God gives you. You learn to have confidence in God that lives in you. Sometimes when God speaks to you and gives you a picture of your future and the devil will come in and say, well, you think you hear God? You're deaf. Who you think you are? Listen, tell the devil to shut up. And say simply I trust in God if he revealed that to me I get into this right now this kayak and I'm going to step by step year by year I am like God says to, to, to Israel like he says I want you to go to the promised land I swore to your fathers he said I gave this to Abraham I gave this to Abraham get in it and I want you to paddle to your promised land you're not gonna get to the promised land because God's gonna drag you there you will get to the promised land because number one you're gonna get a prayer life number two you'll stop praying out of your problem you'll stop praying out of your promise you will stop praying out of your sickness you will pray out of your healing you will stop praying out of your defeat you will pray out of your victory you will stop praying out of your kid being on drugs you will start praying out of your kid in the promise of God what God says and you're gonna paddle you're gonna paddle you're gonna paddle that prayer you're gonna paddle that prophetic word you're gonna paddle that prophetic word hallelujah hallelujah as a church we have words that were spoken over our church that we will have a new building and it will be paid for that we will have a ranch that will be donated that our churches will start like popcorn all around America now we are today in the middle of the ocean with this small little thing but I gotta tell you I stopped praying just for the problems I pray for the promises I pray out of the promises I honor prophetic words in my life when you pray like that your passion grows to dream bigger you come out of prayer excited you look at these problems like cockroaches you're like I'll crush you crush you crush you crush you and I will get to my promised land but if you ignore if you ignore prophecy if you ignore prophecy you ignore the Holy Spirit as a result this is I want you to look at the verse behind me what it says this charge I commit to you son Timothy according to the prophecies previously made concerning you that you by them may wage good warfare means you paddle you don't go to prayer only to talk about your needs you go to prayer to paddle prophetic words you steward the prophecy that's how you honor the Holy Spirit that by them you wage good warfare having faith meaning when you live like that you will have faith and what else good consciousness meaning you will live a life without compromise 
you want to stop sinning live positive life you want to live positive life live a life of prayer where in prayer you bring prophecy promises and out of that you pray the result will be faith good conscience and this is what he says he says which some have rejected they didn't stop praying they just don't pray God's word they don't live out of what God said they live out of depression they live out of struggles they live out of what the doctor said they live out of what somebody said and he says what they did they suffered shipwreck God doesn't want you to suffer shipwreck God wants you to reach your destination church as a church we have this when we pray we pray prophetic words I asked Alex the leader of the intercession team I said I want us also as church not just to pray God give us a building God give us this God give us this God you said God you said God you said and for that to happen we have to stop treating prophets like showmen we have to respect the word of the Holy Spirit that he's releasing through prophets because when we honor them we honor the Holy Spirit and somebody say amen I want you to lift your hands right there. If you ever received a prophetic word, I want you to right now take a moment and I want you to begin to say, God, I thank you for the word that you've given me. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGen. Stay blessed and we'll see you next week.